Welcome to TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. The presenting sponsor of TalkScript is SitePen, a JavaScript consultancy helping companies improve their apps, tools, and teams. Check it out at sitepen.com. Let's find out if TalkScript is your type of podcast. Hello, and welcome to the TalkScript podcast. I'm your host, Brian Forbes. I have with me today my co-hosts, Nick. Hello. And Neil. I'm just happy to be here. So you don't get fined? Yep. Yeah. I'm legally obligated to say that. (laughs) It's great to have both of you here today. We're going to talk about TypeScript. I think, though, Nick wanted to give some updates. So why don't you go ahead and take that away? Sure. So there was just one big update that I wanted to to talk about, and that is a blog post on Microsoft's blog system area, blogs.msdn.microsoft.com. And it's on announcing TypeScript 3.2 RC or release candidate. And so there's just a few things that are highlighted in here, but most notably is that there is now a object rest and spread work on generic types, which is pretty cool because previously that would throw an error. And this just lets you be a little bit more descriptive in what you're actually trying to do instead of having to do some crazy type workarounds that you ask Neil for help with. Yeah, that does things like, you know, before we'd have these union types or intersection types, I always get those wrong. But where we would just say like, we would just say, like, it has both of these, right? And now with the rest and spread operators, we can kind of say, like, yeah. all of the types, all the keys and type values from this type, then all the keys and values from this type, then anything else that we want to add. We were talking internally. I was saying that some of the things you had to do to do that before, you would end up, like, if you hovered over the type explanation, it would kind of tell you what you did to get that type. And this, as far as I understand, should actually tell you what type it is, like a resolved type. Yeah. So that's really cool. That's pretty slick. Doesn't look like there's much in the way of breaking changes. Nope. A couple deprecations, but yeah. The big one is that that spread. Yeah. Operator. And, and then there's a, a new flag, uh, strict bind call apply. It'll warn you a little bit more when you're using call or apply. Specifically, it will know things like if you call apply and you pass an array as the second argument and it has too many arguments, or if the function is expecting two arguments and you pass three, you'll get an error about that. So it's all about tooling, just making the TypeScript compiler smarter so that you don't have to be. Yeah. It <laughs> brings that great type safety to call and apply that you, we all know and love. Yep. All righty. Well, thanks, Nick. This week, we sent out a tweet. We asked our Twitter audience, To tell us what they hear from developers uh, as the most common excuse for not using TypeScript. We want to do something fun right before the holidays. And so this is our chance to address some concerns, but also have a little bit of fun with you guys. Yeah, I think if if this many people answer all of our questions, then we'll have to keep doing it because it was neat seeing how many people responded. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of responses, which was very surprising. I was wondering if we'd get two or three and we got... Almost a dozen, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I think it's because uh, it's, it's because all three of us retweeted it, and it's our internet fame that it's true. Yeah, it's piggy, piggybacking off. Is that it? No, we got seventeen responses. We did, um, and it yeah, it totally wasn't the offer of a free T-shirt. <laughs> no, <that's, not> <laughs> yeah, we haven't had the offer of a free T-shirt before, so that does help. Right. We'll just put that to the side. It's not causation. That's just correlation yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Should we just go from the top? Yeah, I think so. I think the first one we got back was Jason Palmer. Previous TalkScript guest? Yes. Friend of the show? 
friend of the show. Of the show. He said that he's heard that you can't iteratively add it to a project. Again, these are things that, that people have heard from other people or management and why, why can't we add this to our project or why can't we use it? So you can't iteratively add it to a project. How do you guys feel about that excuse? That is totally incorrect. It's a tiny bit <laughs> <laughs> wrong. We need like a buzzer. And to be fair, that's what he said. You can't iteratively add it to a project in quotes and then attributing that to incorrect. Well, I got to say, it's a, it's a tiny bit correct because <laughs> yeah, TalkScript is going to do some inferring of types. And if you use them incorrectly, it's going to yell at you. So you can't just add it to a project if you don't want to have to fix your bugs. That is true. Can't you like add it to a project and then have it be very lenient on everything? Like all of the strict flags turned off, but yeah. then in just like start with a single folder and add an extended tsconfig in there that turns on more strict typing just within that folder. So you can just slowly change that folder or a file and go from there and just build mm -hmm. out. Well, what I mean is like if you have a string, right, and you try to multiply a string by three. Right. Yeah. Like TalkScript is going to complain about that. You keep saying TalkScript. Uh, TalkScript? Why do I? Yeah. <laughs> Brian got me started in the wrong direction on the intro that we <laughs> yeah, cut out. Type, TypeScript. I'm not going to go to their place. <laughs> no, like, yeah. So like TypeScript, right? If you have a string and then you say, I want to multiply by three, it's going to complain. So I think there is a fear that people um, <laughs> don't want to add TypeScript to their project simply because it's going to show them like easy to spot bugs. And you can't turn that off necessarily in terms of TypeScript. I mean, there, yeah, there, there's, there's a certain amount of TypeScript is going to make you address. But you can really scope that with tsconfigs yeah. everywhere. Yeah, your first iteration is going to be obvious bugs in your code <laughs> if you add TypeScript to your project. Yeah, exactly. You did a little talk on iteratively adding TypeScript to your project, didn't you? I did, and that I was going to say for my shameless plug later, but mm -hmm. the JSConf 2018 videos have been released, and I have a talk called No Time for Types. Uh, we'll have it in the show notes, and it does cover this a little bit, and it really talks about a different way to view TypeScript, and we'll kind of get into that as we go. You can do implicit any by default, and then you can start saying just like this, this function's parameters have this type and this return value. It's one of those neat things where like you can take a frequently used bit of code like utility code or something like that to begin with, and add types there, and then just let it bubble through and fix things as you go, right? Like, even when you are iterating by adding types, you don't have to go crazy and do it everywhere. So the next one that we got in, I can understand this one, John L. Conway the fourth. One thing that he's heard is that we don't have time to learn something new. I'm kind of surprised that we didn't hear that more often. I think a few years ago we would have heard that, but it seems like that idea to a certain extent, has gone away. And, and this kind of ties into the last one is you can add it to your project iteratively. You don't have to go all in. And so your team can kind of learn as they go. Mm -hmm. This one I struggle with a little bit because technically TypeScript is just JavaScript with optional type annotations. And depending on how you... With, with a few annotations. Yeah, yeah. Depending on how you configure it, it, that's where more or less learning comes in. Like you don't have to start making your code generic all over the place and, and doing all of that right away. Right, right. But there is a learning curve, I think, when it comes to like TypeScript and making it work within maybe an existing application and within an existing ecosystem of JavaScript projects. Mm. There's, there's a little bit of a learning curve mm -hmm. understanding that, oh, if you want to use this project, you probably also need to install the types for that. Well, what do you mean install the types for that? So then you have to learn about ambient type declarations and right. 
kind of snowballs from there. Not necessarily just the language part, but it's the the ecosystem around that to help a completely, not really a completely different language, but a superset language exist and thrive in an existing untyped JavaScript world. The philosophy of it too, right? Like it's not necessarily clear when you start using TypeScript, how you're supposed to approach it, what you're supposed to care about, what you can let slide, what you need to really focus on. So that's a little bit of a learning curve too. I'd say like the way that we have such momentum in front-end development right now, people are learning new stuff all the time. So I think that that is something that it's more acceptable to have stuff that you have to learn than it used to be. I also think that like an entire team doesn't need to learn it. Right, you need to have one person on your team that understands it really well. Sure, they're the ones that that do a lot of the hard typing. Using TypeScript code isn't that difficult. I totally agree. That is the hard thing, and I think that that is solved if you have one expert that is really dedicated to making sure that that works. Because once they, you know, get the types checked in and everything configured properly, then it quote unquote, magically works for everyone else. So that is really nice. But I know that like from my own experience, when I was first learning TypeScript, I wanted to do a project and I think I wanted to do a Chrome extension, but I was like, I'm going to write it in TypeScript and then transpile it and then, you know, bundle it with the way that you, you create Chrome extensions. Right. But I was like wanting to use these pieces of a functionality that are exposed not in normal JavaScript, but to Chrome specifically. So then I needed the Chrome dot whatever types available for that. But then there are also other pieces of just like the DOM that I wanted to be able to use. And I had to go research like, oh, well, there's this lib that I can use in my TS config. And I have to say, oh, I'm using the DOM. So I have to make sure that the DOM is provided there. And why do I have to do that? I don't have to do that with normal JavaScript. And so like, I only had like a three hour run to like get started this one day. And I spent the entire time just trying to mess with types and and get everything set up. And I actually wrote no code that did what I wanted for the application. So that can be a bit of an excessive ramp up to getting into that. But I think that definitely gets easier with practice. Yeah, definitely. And I think someone else, username Chimon1984, so the documentation's poor. I think I would agree the, the documentation's poor surrounding like setting it up, setting up a project, right? I think the documentation's fairly good for how do these modules interact? How does how do generics work? Those sorts of things. Yeah, language features, I think the documentation's pretty good for how do I integrate this into my project? That could use a little bit of work. Yeah, and like I was saying, the philosophy stuff is really hard, right? Like Nick was saying, in terms of learning, you need to include these libraries in your code. I think that's a matter of philosophy, right? They've taken an approach that assumes a pretty limited programming environment that doesn't have newer libraries, and you need to tell it about them. And that's not necessarily clear from learning about the language. You're not just learning about the language, you're learning about how they've structured the tool to work. Yeah, when I first came to TypeScript, I didn't quite wrap my head around the whole idea, but then it finally dawned on me that, like, we've got these JavaScript libraries out there, and it's almost like a library in Linux. And then these types come along, and they're almost like the header files. They describe how these things should be used. And so, yes, some of these projects out there aren't distributing, quote-unquote, header files. On a, a Linux, you would have to download the, the dev packages for these libraries, uh, which is kind of what the, t- the types are. But that's not really explained that well. I think we agree to a certain extent with, with your tweet. Yeah, I think the idea is that there is going to be someone that needs to spend time learning TypeScript as a whole on a given project. 
not just the language level features, but how they're going to set it up and use it in their project. Yeah, it's not something you can just, you know, Nick was saying that he didn't get any coding done the first time he just tried to get it working. I think that's going to be true for everyone. I think you have to spend some upfront time in order to learn it, but I don't think that it's an inordinate amount of time. I think that for a lot of people, you're talking about a week of semi-dedicated learning, and you should be pretty well-versed in what you needed to do to use it in your project. And adding any new tool to your project is going to do that. Webpack, roll up, any of these, you're going to have to figure out how does the configuration look, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, if you think about it, if you think about it that way, there's going to be a learning curve, but I don't think it's it's huge. I think you hit the nail on the head there, though, Brian. You should think about it more as a tool that you're adding to the project and not necessarily a rewrite into a new language. It's just a tool. Yeah, I don't think of it as rewrite. You know, we didn't have anyone say that, but I do think that is a sentiment people have is that this is going to be a rewrite of their code. And it might be, if they've made a serious mistake, that then it might require some stuff to be rewritten. I mean, the other thing is, is if, 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 they've, if they've written their application in, in CommonJS uh, syntax, then, you know, maybe AMD syntax, for sure, you're going to have quite a bit to, to rewrite. If you're already using ES6 modules, which you probably should be, changing over to TypeScript is, is really not all that hard. You change the, the file extension and correct a few things that the compiler is going to tell you, and away you go. Ryan Waskowitz, I think adding types will just slow us down. Initially, yeah. But as your project grows, I think that it will save you a lot of time and headache. Uh, and that's not just growing like the size of the code base, that's growing developers, like if you add a lot of people to the project, it's only going to help them out to, to start off and, and be able to hit the ground running a lot faster because the code will definitely be more expressive than if it was just a hodgepodge of JavaScript with, with no real uh, type safety. Yeah. When I first started with TypeScript, we were, we were looking at rewriting Dojo in TypeScript. And I took a day and, and wrote a promise implementation in TypeScript. And it took me about three hours to do. So what would have probably taken me several days to write and unit test and make sure that I got everything right and that I wasn't passing things to the wrong thing actually made it simpler for me to write a promise implementation because of the type safety, because I had that type checker. We had another person, Steven, says one of the excuses he says is we've already we already have unit tests. One thing that TypeScript is great at is you know what's going what the compiler's going to allow you to pass in. I don't have to test if my function is going to bomb correctly if I pass in a string rather than a number because the compiler's not going to allow me to pass in a string rather than a number. So you already have unit tests, yeah. But you might be able to write significantly fewer unit tests with the type safety. One of the things we touched on in the, our TypeScript generics episode is that some of your unit tests might become actual usable TypeScript code, right? Like identifying types, unit test behavior, which a lot of things have that, you know, if you have some of your code that's like, I want to make sure that this object always has a value higher than 10 and uh, has a string with foo on it, those actually become useful functions when you move to TypeScript that aren't just part of your unit tests, but can be part of your actual running code. We've got one from uh, Sylvan Pontereau. 
says uh, he's heard that React doesn't work well with TypeScript. We've got another one from the same uh, gentleman, uh, Sylvan, where he's heard that uh, I don't want to build an Angular application. <laughs> we, we should probably point out that uh, we were discussing this a little bit before, and none of us have uh, really used... Well, actually, we didn't talk about this. Have either of you two used React and TypeScript together? No. I think it's relatively recent, too, right? Well, you could do it before, but it was a little bit more difficult. Um, however, it's it's much simpler now. My thought was this is that there's really nothing that shouldn't work well with TypeScript. Well, if something is is problematic, right? Like if a function doesn't accurately take input parameters and output the right types, that's something that can be fixed. Even if this is true now, X doesn't work well with TypeScript is always going to become less true over time. But I think that recent changes, specifically the inclusion of TypeScript compilation in Babel and the inclusion in Create React app, uh, a, a dash dash TypeScript flag that allows you to bootstrap a TypeScript version of the Create React app defaults. I think that that probably makes things much simpler. But, uh, and this is the part that we've all talked about, we haven't tried it yet with Create React app. So the joke there is that like a lot of people think that because Angular really popularized TypeScript. I think that's a lot of pushback that people get is that in order to in order to use TypeScript you have to use Angular. Yeah, and I I don't think that that's the case. I think that TypeScript maybe got a a little bit of its legs early on because of Angular adopting it. Um but there there's a talk uh at JSConf uh from Lori Voss of N, of NPM. He lets us know that 46% of NPM users are using TypeScript. I don't think that that's all Angular. So um, it's moved well beyond Angular at this point. But that's definitely like people that don't have an experience with uh, TypeScript, I think that's definitely um, where they've heard about it, right? Like that's been a big talking point for a long time. But yeah, for sure, it's, yeah, it's not just, um, it's not just Angular at this point. Um, there are so many libraries that have typings now that, you know, not, not, not framework libraries, just, you know, the left pads and stuff like that. A lot of them have uh, TypeScript types now. So it's not just, you don't just have to use Angular if you want to get the benefits of TypeScript. A lot of people are supporting it. This next one uh, by Dan Kavanaugh, it will end up being dropped like Dart or it has experimental elements. That one, uh, I disagree with uh, quite a bit. Well, it's all open source, I believe, too. So that really, really goes a long way. I remember when TypeScript came out, and I was just like, "Why would you want a compiler for your for your for your JavaScript? That's so stupid." And and now I'm like, "This is the greatest thing." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, other languages. It, I assume Dart is open source, and Dart is still around. It's just not really a web language anymore. They're retrying it as a server side language, which is fine. But like other languages, like CoffeeScript is open source. I think that the part where Dart and CoffeeScript failed is they bet against JavaScript, uh, whereas TypeScript embraces and extends JavaScript. It's not looking to extinguish it. It's just a tool to to help move it forward. And I think that where we are right now with JavaScript, like if you are, if you're at least starting a new project in 2018 or in the last couple of years, you're not really writing JavaScript. You're writing something that looks like JavaScript or a future version of JavaScript that compiles to something that can run today. So compilers 
six years ago, that wasn't really a thing that you would ever have dreamed about wanting in JavaScript, but it's the reality today and you're just going to be doing it. You're just talking about annotations themselves, right? Not the decorators, but yeah. yeah. And a big piece of that is like my misguided belief in what it would actually be. I thought that this was something that I would have to write my code and then run a compiler and get errors and then match that back to my code. But with the like the language service and integrations into your IDEs, I never run the compiler on my own, really. I just get feedback from my editor. Uh, and I use Vim, so it's not like you know a fancy, fancy editor. But I get immediate feedback right away. And I think that as long as they keep betting on JavaScript and embracing it, it will just stick around forever as an optional compiler right next to the other optional or the other pretty much mandatory compiler at this point. So uh, I, I don't see it going anywhere until that changes, which I don't see changing for a while. I do think the second part of what they mentioned is, is probably worth talking about a little bit. Like it does have some experimental elements. Uh, like the one thing I can really think about is their uh, annotation system. Like decorators, which is very unlike anything I've seen in any other language. Uh, and as far as I know, not part of the ECMA specifications. Where it like actually where it actually calls a function with a bunch of metadata. There are little things like that in TypeScript that um as you're looking into using them, you might want to look at um seeing whether it's part of an actual upcoming uh ECMA spec document or whether it's something that is uh, like truly experimental that isn't, isn't planning to be integrated at all. Uh, decorators were added very early on in, in TypeScript. They were added before the decorator proposal was, I think it was at stage four or three at the time. And TypeScript has changed their policy about that. I, I don't think that they add anything that is, that's higher than stage two. And when I say higher, I mean three or four. No, I think they ha they add it if it's if it gets to stage three, if it's a syntax only thing like like a async await. When that got to stage three, that got added. I think like for companies that are very concerned with the possibility of using any feature that isn't part of of a spec, I do think it's worth them being aware that there is some there is some stuff that isn't part of a spec, and for them, they should pick and choose what's important for their project. And I, I think that TypeScript did a good job with this with. Decorators, for example, they're not actually part of it. You have to enable them with a flag, and it's called experimental decorators. There's a new proposal for decorators in ECMAScript, and uh, if that moves forward, I can see them probably adding that. I, I have no insight into how it would be added, but I would assume that it would just be if you have experimental decorators, you get the old version. Otherwise, this is the way that it actually is. And that's worth going into more detail. The flag system in the TypeScript compiler and language service is real interesting. The, with the things they've chosen to do with it. You can opt into, like, I can say, I want to use ES6, right? Or what is it, ES20? Well, you can say, like, what you want it to be strict about. You can mm -hmm. say how you want it to handle some of the uh, the type stuff, how you want it to resolve different things. It's very fine-grained, um, so you really it's can... It's very fine-grained. Uh, ...opt into new things, opt out of other things. You can even, like, some of the uh, shims that they have for like how they do class assembly and stuff like that. You can even provide your own. You can do a, a lot of uh, really tight customization uh, in terms of how the tooling works. 
That's true. Now, here's where I get a little um, opinionated, I guess. Those things are all well and great. And I'm talking about more specifically the strict flags in there. They're all great. But I see those as a a step towards getting towards to full strictness. Like strict true is what you should be striving for. I understand that in my mind, those those other flags exist to help you relax the compiler while you incrementally get to fully strict. So if you're bringing it into an existing project. Yeah, agreed. Um, let's see. Uh, Eric Brown, who's a Dojo user, says that there's not, a pl- not enough places to use it. I can't really help you with that because <laughs> I try to use it wherever I can. So, I mean, I'd, I'd really need to see use cases and that sort of stuff. He could mean like not enough um, jobs. Oh, oh, that could be. It could be. Um, all right. Uh, Ryan Edge. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I Do you just, disagree I with that? Know. Is that why we're moving on? How much to expound on that? I mean, I, I just try to use it wherever I can. It can be used anywhere that JavaScript can be used, I guess. In, and in that, that is true, yeah. Yeah, in that understanding of, of uh, the statement, it can be used anywhere that JavaScript is being used. We are here to help you bring TypeScript to every job, every front-end job. So uh, we'd like to help with that, too. <laughs> yeah. And maybe maybe listening to podcasts like this will, will help. You can look at how much is used on NPM and, and in GitHub and stuff and see see how that curve is going because it's definitely, if you need to justify to someone, NPM and GitHub's stats about how many projects have TypeScript in them should reveal that a lot of people are actually using them. It might not feel like it sometime, but... To elaborate on that, um, Neil, the, the GitHub stats are that in the last three years, I think, TypeScript has jumped from the 10th most popular language on GitHub to the 7th most popular. And that's quite a jump, whereas Ruby, I think, went from 5th place to 10th place. And so it's, yeah, <laughs> it's it's moving up there. And just JavaScript is number one, and TypeScript is number seven. So the JavaScript ecosystem is very dominant out there. But I wonder how many, I wonder how... Much of that is. Uh, this yeah, is we'll GitHub, put a right? link in the show notes. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is people who used to check in their node modules and oh, just yeah. haven't stopped doing that. <laughs> All right, uh, Ryan Edge. It's a cool name. Said that the it is. Oh, he's he's our our chime on. 1984. So earlier when he was talking about documentation, this is this is Ryan Edge. Um, the barrier of entry for a library author is considered hard which is why they often leave it to someone else to provide. I actually agree with this. Uh, up until the 3.0 release, library authors had a, had a large barrier of entry to create their TypeScript project. Also, you know, hand out typings at the same time. Now, a lot of the ecosystems changed. There's now, uh, in, you can in your package.json, you can point to a to your index.dts if you package your modules as such. But this is something that we had to deal with with Dojo. How do we how do we do this? Cuz it was it was difficult. For the way that npm the the node community kind of wants modules uh, distributed where they kind of you've got one entry point to your module and everything kind of comes out from that entry point. Right now, library authors are are able to write those 
with TypeScript, compile it to a disk directory or whatever, and then point your build tools to both the index.ts and the index.dts and index.js. The package.json can can do that now. Uh, that didn't used to be there. For those of us who want differently structured library, uh, for instance, like like Dojo, you kind of have to do it manually. But with uh, TypeScript 3.0, there's a way to build your projects now. Um, so we would recommend looking into the that documentation. That's just going to get even better um, as we go. Uh, I don't think we really have a time to to go over the the build semantics of the compiler now. We'll we'll just trust you. It's it's there. <laughs> I do think I do think that the the second thought. I don't know if they mean this in in what they're saying here, but as the person that writes the typings for like utility functions and stuff like that. It does take a bit more effort than someone just using the functions, right? Like there is a little bit more knowledge required if you're trying to make sure that your inputs and outputs are typed properly and that they cover all the bases of the things that might be passed to them, that they are isolating the things that they need to isolate in a way that makes a lot of sense. So there is, especially if you're dealing with a library, you do need to have a little bit more knowledge in terms of how to leverage it to the maximum possible extent. Nick, you want to hit this next one? Because I know you're going to have some opinions on it. (laughs) It's got a smiley face at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So this one is from, um, I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize. Uh, Prasanth Nike. And they say, because it's not very flexible like JavaScript and has a smiley face. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I think that we've kind of covered this. It's as mm-hmm. flexible as JavaScript is, um, but it, or it can be, and you can yeah. do that either with with those strict flags. So you can disable certain pieces of strictness to make it not complain so much. Uh, but when you really need to get around the type system, if there's ever situations like that, there's always the any type, and there's ways to no. to subvert the type system if you need that. Uh, I think Neil has. Um, opinions about I have feelings using about the any type, um, <laughs> and and you definitely can get much, like you can use generics to to get don't, around that. Don't look at my code now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could even go over it like uh, kind of the Peter Granger uh, said. Mm-hmm. It's hard to test. There's no more monkey patching. I feel like that kind of fits in the same thread, where mm-hmm. uh, you know I think one of the things that TypeScript is amazing at is transforming. Uh, objects into what you need. Yeah. Uh, so I like I, I do think that TypeScript is a type system in the spirit of JavaScript, where the incredibly mm-hmm. crazy flexible things you can do with JavaScript, almost all of them have ways to to take those crazy things you can do and create types that do those crazy things. Right? You can. Yeah. They have they have ways of writing functions that can completely transform an object passed as an input to a different one as an output. Uh, in the same way that you'd write the JavaScript, the types should go along with it for the most part. Uh, some of, yeah, some of it requires specialized knowledge, but it's super flexible. This idea, it's hard to test. There's no more monkey patching. If you haven't bought into the class system, if you're using interfaces correctly, you should just be able to, as long, say you've got a function that takes, you know, instead of taking a class, it takes takes this interface that looks exactly like the class. You should be able to pass in any sort of object that looks exactly like that. So actually testing becomes easier because you know exactly what that, what that function needs. You don't have to run your tests over and over until they, 
hoping hoping that they don't fail because you forgot a property um, or you forgot a method or a, or a function. Um, you know exactly what, what these things need. You can give that to Sinon or any of the other testing libraries to make a mock object. You know exactly what, what that mock object is supposed to look like. For me, I think it makes testing easier. I said earlier, you're not having to write as many tests because you have the type safety. But at the same time, you know what you're passing into these functions, what, what you need to pass into these functions uh, because of your interfaces. You can even enforce monkey patching, right? Like they have the, the generic type that turns every property into a promise, right? Like you can turn every property into a mock object. You can even, you can even have a generic that turns only some keys in an object to mock objects, right? Like you should still be able to do monkey patching and enforce constraints when you do monkey patching, you know, both, both in terms of what you want to see in your test and then you can uh, monkey patch. You could reverse the interface back out to when it's passed to a function or when it's passed to a, a run execution, right? I think it makes monkey patching better. <laughs> and so if you have questions on any of these, I would, I would recommend you listen to our, our episode on generics. No one's asked me, so <laughs> there's everyone's able to do this stuff. Yeah. Because no one's asked me any questions. So juicy fruit. We'll go with that. It says they don't see the value in type safety until a type error screws them in production. Mm. And then there's a there's a, a frowny face. Yeah, I think it's like a disappointed face. Yeah. Is what I'm reading. I, I agree. Um, <laughs> again, this this kind of goes to the the whole idea of of a uh, you know, it's a TypeScript not, turkey, type, TypeScript <laughs> turkey, something like that. But you know, yeah. In, until you get bit by one of these things in production, it's uh, it's hard to see the value in it. One of the things I was thinking about uh, in one of the earlier points is when you do add TypeScript to your project, there's this uh, there's this point where you get like some error, and you're sure that the error is wrong. So you're like, it doesn't make sense why it's throwing this error. I swear, I'm calling it from the right place at the right time, and it's all great. Uh, and then you start digging through your code, and you realize, like, oh, this is the reason it's complaining. I actually did this crazy thing that I wasn't aware of that TypeScript realized that, like, I, you know, I didn't even believe at first. So, yeah, it's, it's weird. I mean, we, we like to assume that we're good programmers. There's, like, a web comic, and it's, like, me when I'm writing code. Like, this is the best thing I've ever done. And then me reviewing my code from a year ago. <laughs> like, who was this monster? It's just, you know, the belief that you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's. Uh, it's kind of scary when you uh, impose a type system and you see where the I's aren't dotted and where the T's aren't crossed, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we want to thank all of our responders. You guys were great. Like we said in our, I think we said it in our tweet. If we didn't. We're going to be sending out a free T-shirt to all those responders. Even if you weren't mentioned on the episode, we're going to send you a, a shirt. So yeah, yeah, and really thank you for yeah, and really thank you for providing feedback. That was really fun, and and I think this was a really fun segment to talk about. So as as people are starting to think about using TypeScript, we've heard some of the excuses above. Are there any hurdles or excuses that haven't been covered that that you think need addressing? Maybe something that we've heard over the years. I think it's kind of cool how much we had a whole lot of notes about what we wanted to talk about. And I feel like all the feedback we got covered almost everything. The one thing we were joking about as we were planning this is we've heard from people both that TypeScript is too restrictive 
and also that TypeScript's not restrictive enough. And that's kind of a weird thing to have both of those pieces of feedback coming about the same thing. I almost feel like that's a compliment for a type system that is rigged onto a, a dynamic language that really has to be as flexible as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's really funny. Like I understand where both people are coming from. You have people that are like, oh, man, adding, adding these types is going to make it so like I'm under these constraints now. And then you have other people that are coming from the other side that are like, man, we can just do too much with types. Like we can, it feels like you're being too lenient sometimes, even when you're creating types that are 100% correct. And, you know, part of that as well is just that it does create a fairly complex set of tools that you have as you get into the, the really advanced types. I think people will get this idea that a typed language like TypeScript is inevitably going to become something like Java. Hmm. And it's, that can't, couldn't be further from the truth. I, I read an article earlier this week that equated TypeScript with Java. And I was just like, <laughs> whoever wrote this hasn't really Yeah, I'm shaking my head right now. It. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, that couldn't be further from the truth. Interfaces are not, it's, it's nominally typed. Are the things that the interface says are there, there? It's not, oh, is this an instance of that? If you've got it in your mind that the TypeScript is going to be this behemoth of, uh, I've got to make everything a class and everything needs, you know, I've got to have all these abstracts and interfaces. It doesn't have to be that way. You can write your functional code, your Haskell-like code, (laughs) if you want to go that far. You can write that and add annotations to it and add some type safety to it. It can be as simple or as complex as you want. Yeah. I think it's just a, a big misnomer that you know you hear typing and it's like, oh, it's going to be C Sharp or, or, or Java. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. The main point that we have been trying to convey with our answers to all of the tweets and, and with this is that TypeScript is not really a new language. It's just JavaScript. And you should just think about it as a tool that's going to help you write more expressive code. It's going to make things easier for you by initially making things harder because you have to learn about how to add all of these annotations in and and all of that. But once you do, the you from six months from now will thank you. All of the new developers that join your team will thank you. And as your project grows and increases in size exponentially, it will just make things a lot easier because you'll be able to really interact with the other developers on your team and everybody understands and is coding to these interfaces that everyone is aware of and helped contribute to. There's a lot less guessing about what's actually going to happen in your code. You can just write the code and be pretty confident that it's going to work. Obviously, you do still have to test because that's another part of the tooling chain, but you get to write a lot fewer Mm -hmm. tests and you get to express yourself at a higher level than you can with just plain JavaScript. Solved. Solved. (laughs) All problems are solved, right? Kind of on a similar note, an article came out this week entitled Why I No Longer Use TypeScript with React and Why You Might Want to Switch To. Oh, is that what it says? Yeah, that's the title. Oh, the, 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 the uh, short code says, and why you shouldn't either. Why you shouldn't either. Ah. <laughs> All right. Well, that might have been an edit. I was like, I thought it was, I thought it was more uh, aggressive when, it, when we originally read it. Yeah. Uh, Neil, what were your impressions? We were passing it around in our lounge at SitePen, uh, just kind of talking about it. It's an interesting article because it kind of focuses on not any of the benefits or drawbacks of the tool itself. It focuses on compile time, which is an interesting approach to take about why TypeScript's bad. It's not something we heard from any of the people that wrote in to talk about why people might not use TypeScript. The initial benchmarks that, that they share are compile time and project size. Mm-hmm. The project size 
I mean, you've got 192 megabytes to 234, so I use my computer for math, not my brain. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you've got, you know, 40 megs there, difference, roughly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it really is, th- there is the, the compile time. Uh, you've got a 1 minute and 30 seconds to create a new project versus 1 minute and 50 seconds in TypeScript. What do you guys think about this? Is this something that people should be worried about? Do you want to start, Nick? Well, I mean, I think that you definitely have to consider that factor. He also kind of notes that the project size in uh, JavaScript is 192 megabytes, and in TypeScript, it's 234. That would be the more concerning number for me. And I try and figure out why that is, what's being added to the code. I mean, I would imagine that it's the TSLib. Oh, yeah. That's going to be my first thing that I'm going to go in and look. Is, is would it be TSLib? that big? My initial question would be, am I importing TSLib or is it outputting all of the helpers in every single module, which is a configure flag? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how Create React App is set up. I set up all of my projects to import the TSLib rather than have the compiler spit out the helpers. That could be what's making the project size big. Again, it looks like And I don't mean to misrepresent at all. If the methodology that I'm saying the author took is wrong, I I apologize. But it looks like he's only comparing the initial app to each other. And so, you know, you you scroll down and it talks about, he's got a chart here uh, where it says project size. Uh, JavaScript is the baseline, obviously. TypeScript, you know, you've got plus 22%. Now, is that just the initial project size? Because if it is, and you've got it importing the TSLib rather than spitting out the boilerplate for each module, then that percentage is going to go way down. Because the percentage of what your code is compared to helper library is far and away different. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yep. What about like compilation time? I mean, even file size, like the thing that that really strikes me about this is that uh, one of the things that we're talking about is something that is going to get better over time, right? Like even if now it's slower, even if now, however he has it configured, takes more file space when compiled. That's something that you personally can improve by taking different approaches like Brian was just outlining. The compile times are going to get faster as they improve TypeScript as CPUs get faster. It's just one of the things that we're like, if I'm looking at the benefits that I get from TypeScript and how much it makes my code better, which is always going to result in gains versus something like file space and compile time that are going to get faster over time, it just seems like you might be making the wrong trade-offs. Another thing that he points out as being a problem is having to deal with the whole at types dependencies, which can be a bit annoying. That is a legitimate thing. We kind of talked about that earlier, but I think that since the at types username on npm came out, that has gotten so much simpler because you can usually find the right types for the most popular projects for sure. And then the other thing in here is he kind of talks about instead of doing that type of type checking, just use JS doc and VS code will type check that for you. But as we're well aware, the type checking of JS doc comments is actually just TypeScript doing all of that. So I guess TypeScript wins. <laughs> Nick, do you have anything for us? Yeah, I mentioned it earlier, but it kind of goes along with our subject for today. And that's my JSConf video from JSConf 2018. It's called No Time for Types, and it'll be in the show notes. Great. Thanks a lot, guys, for coming on. 
Thank you again to all the people who responded. You guys were a great help for this episode. Hooray for crowdsourcing our <laughs> our content, right? And until next time, this is the TalkScript Podcast. Thanks for listening to the TalkScript Podcast. You can round out your TalkScript experience by viewing our show notes, listening to past episodes, subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, and of course, following us on Twitter at TalkScript. We record new episodes every other week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. We've got a good thing going on. Bah, 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 bah.